Hello and welcome to Get Flushed, the world's favourite sanitation podcast. I'm Pete. Regular listeners will know that Get Flushed has won the bronze medal in the business podcast category at the New Zealand Podcast Awards. Obviously, I'm really pleased about that and I thought I'd have a giveaway to celebrate that success with you, the listener. If you'd like to win a Get Flushed embroidered baseball cap, leave a voice message on our podcast inbox. Just say which episode so far has been your favourite and why. And of course, remember to leave your name. I'll play the messages in the show and I'll send the best ones a cap by way of thanks and recognition. It doesn't matter where you listen in from in the world, I'll find a way to get the cap to you. This week's episode is time to coincide with World Toilet Day on Friday the 19th of November. Last year I spoke with Jack Sim, the founder of the World Toilet Organisation and the champion behind World Toilet Day. That's one of my favourite episodes because Jack really challenged my thinking and he made me aware of the wider global sanitation debate. I'll add a link to that episode in the notes for today's show, but you could also type Jack in the search bar on my homepage at Get Flushed Online. This year I'm celebrating World Toilet Day by talking with Sebastian Ortiz from the International Portable Sanitation Observatory. Sebastian is a portable sanitation consultant based in Spain and he operates under the brand Imexos. You probably won't have heard of Sebastian or the observatory unless you've been involved or connected with the portable restroom industry in Europe, Africa or the Middle East. In his younger days he was a professional footballer but he's developed his knowledge and expertise in portable sanitation in a career that has spanned over 30 years. He speaks five different languages, he's got a great sense of humour and he absolutely understands both the market and the wider issues facing the global restroom industry. In recent times he's been using all of his knowledge to lead the development of international standards for the provision, maintenance and use of portable restroom facilities. Now I will explain that the audio quality changes a little bit during the episode. We started on a video call but the signal wasn't great so we changed to voice only. I've done my best to try and equalise it, but you will notice a change in the quality of the audio. Sebastian has also got quite a strong accent, so he may pronounce one or two words in a way that you might not immediately recognise. For example, when he mentions threats, he's talking about threats, but I'm sure you'll understand everything else. Hi, Pete. Hey, Sebastian. How are you? Well, it was. It has been very busy. We we had the last session of the draft of the one six one nine four, and uh, now we are just to do some little corrections and some editorials corrections, and the, the draft it's ready to go to inquiry in Europe. Excellent. Still a way to go, you know. But now all the thirty four countries of the Sen. I have to say, well, the expert have to say if they like the norm or not. What's the turnaround for the consultation time? I remember the standard in 2012 was published in uh, June, and it took almost two years. But the, the technical processes between experts, it's very quick. We started in January. The process was accepted in June, and the draft is ready now in uh, November. About a year then? Uh, in 11 months, more or less. Yeah. I'm really pleased that you've been able to join me and do some recording today. I read your CV and you've had a very varied career in sanitation, haven't you? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I started 25 years ago, yes. 
It was funny because at this time I moved from Sweden to Spain and I remember I was helping my brother. My brother had a little company and he was installing uh, some satellite to watch TV. And myself at this time, I answered of one of the companies who are in the portable sanitation who had the same name, you know. And I said, well, I will certainly maybe work with one company but it's, it's toilets, it's not dishes, you know. Satellite toilets, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I started the 1st of January in 1996. <laughs> Good memory. <laughs> At this time, really, it was not so well known, the portable sanitation in Europe. It was only uh, Germany who already started in 1975. And really, the market was virgin at this time. So how did you get involved then? What triggered that? As I told you before, I just get hired by this American portable sanitation manufacturer and they hire me as a sales manager for the south of Europe. I'm a lucky guy and I speak different languages that we use in the south of Europe. They hired you for your language skills and had you got a sales background at that time, Sebastian? I'd say yes and no because my profession, I was an industrial mechanic. And at the same time, but I was also a soccer player in Switzerland, where I, I was raised. And when I broke my knee with 25 years old, I say, what I will do now? I will remain as an industrial mechanic all my life, or I want to do other things because football is over. So I started to study sales with 25 years, and I say, well, I'm good in good technician with mechanic, and if I can sell the units, I can even repair the units. So that's how I get involved with the sales. So you started with sales for the American company, and how has your career developed since then? I spent almost 70 years with this company, growing the market of Spain, France, Portugal, Italy, Croatia. Well, at this time, it was still uh, Yugoslavia, you know. And slowly by slowly, this market started to see portable toilets, mainly for the construction, because it was a need. It was a request at this time. I just got my little luggage, and I went to Italy and uh, knocked the door of the companies who was already renting something for the construction, like shelter, for example. And I was proposing them to enter in the portable sanitation. And what was the reaction back at that time? It was quite well accepted because at the end, people realized that the human body has to, to release every four hours. My father was a house builder. And uh, when you are in the construction site and uh, you need to go to the toilet, at this time, the only toilet uh, we had was just a hole in the grass or in the earth, you know, and the people was doing the needs there. And after when the, the construction was over, we was putting more hard on the hole and, and that's it. Well, I remember those days. I worked for a builder when I left college. And what you've described is the world that I was working in. We'd start on a virgin site. Yeah, we'd clear all the vegetation. We'd dig a hole in the corner and that would be the latrine for the building site. Exactly. <laughs> if you were lucky, you could find a bucket and hide in a corner. But yeah, just a hole in the ground. Yes, that's right. People understood quite rapidly that it was a business because at this time it was not so well known. So people were doing uh, quite interesting prices. 
The price of the renting was almost uh, similar and went to a reasonable price. One of the problems that I've spoken about on the podcast is that operators just don't charge enough. There are a lot of outfits who offer the lowest possible price because that's the way, or they think that's the way they win business. And it's wrong, especially in the current market. The price should reflect the complexity of what they provide and the standard that they provide. Exactly. I always say to my customer, even if they are big companies, big operators or little operators, the costs are always the same for the big and the little. Always the same. If the truck is the man is the gas oil, it's the toilet. It's always all similar. And after, it's nonsense to go down with the prices. We have to go the other way. Explain to the customer, uh, for example, when someone calls you and says, I need two toilet for the weekend. The first thing they will ask you is say, how much it cost me? You have to say, it will cost you nothing. What? How it's possible? That cost me nothing. Don't worry, but you understand that I must come to clean every day these units. And I will come and I will do hygienization, I will do disinfectation, I will do so, so, and so, and that will cost you only uh, 100 euros per toilet per day. It's depending the way you turn it, you know. Uh, just uh, renting to toilet, well, well oh, it's too expensive. 50 euros is it's too expensive. No. If the operator himself don't put the level, the customer will never give him the level. That's the reality. It is, and it's definitely about quality, which I know you are very interested in because you've spearheaded the development of the European standards on hygiene for restrooms, haven't you? Yes, exactly. We know that in a portable toilet, the tank has a capacity almost 265 litres. But it's not so good if you have to go to the toilet and you are the people number 300 who go to the toilet. So what we have done with this new standard, we just put down the users of the unit. It could not have more than 150 users. Each user represents approximately uh, 300 milliliters. It's well calculated. If we go over that, we are not giving a good service. The toilet don't feel hygienic. They will feel dirty and things like that. That's why sometimes we have this bad image about the toilet. You know, we go, wow, the toilet smell, wow, it's not clean. The thing starts by ourselves. If ourselves, we don't put the rules, the customer will never put you the rules. That's true. And I know quite often when you deal with construction companies, they're only interested in the price to begin with. And it's such a false economy to try and hire the cheapest possible unit because no no business person is going to be able to provide services for little or no cost and maintain a healthy standard. It's just not possible, Sebastian. You're right. You're right. It's my fight with the little companies. Sometimes big companies think that they make a business by taking this uh, contract, but at the end, it's not good for the world of the sanitation, at least in, in the country, you know, because you are giving uh, the bad signals to the customer. You are giving, okay, do what you want, put the price where you want, we will do it, and no. I'd agree absolutely on that, 100%. Yeah. Can you describe how the standard works? What is the issuing body and the process that you've gone through to develop those? Because it's quite complex, isn't it? Well, it's not really complex. The first standard we did in 2012 was a little more simple. It was the first one. 
But now, after uh, nine years, we end one pandemic time. There is more request from hygiene from the users. In order to have hygiene in a toilet, it should be limited the entrance at approximately 150 users maximum, even if we know that the capacity of the tank is higher. That's what gives the hygiene and the feeling that the toilet is it's well maintained and uh, well cleaned. By limiting the users, you have to put more toilet on the field. And for example, in the construction on this standard in 2012, it was one toilet every 10 workers. Now it will be one toilet every seven workers. And is that mandated in law or is it a voluntary standard? This standard is not mandatory, but we are working uh, at the same time so we are doing this standard. We have uh, sent two petitions to the European Parliament and we have asked them that the law, the worker laws or the constitutional laws that we have today, say in Spain, France, Italy, Belgium, all the laws are the same. They always say it's almost one toilet for every 25 workers that have a date 25, 30 years ago, you know. So it's not the reality. And uh, so if nobody do anything, this reality will continue. That's why we send this petition to the European Parliament asking to make the standard 161 and 4 mandatory in all the construction sites in Europe. The second petition is to adapt the 16194 for the events and festival, the ratio we have right there because there is nothing yet. And what organisation did you form to drive that petition through, Sebastian? It's not just you on your own, is it? In December, I started a branch of my consulting company. The name is Inexos, and the branch now is Ipso. Ipso means the International Portable Sanitation Observatory. I'm lucky because my customers are the main manufacturer of portable toilets and main operators in Europe. What we are doing at IPSO, we are the watchman of the norms, uh, European norms and international norms, ISO. So we are checking every day if something comes over that can be a treat for the industry or an opportunity. Will that be a membership-based organisation in a similar way to perhaps the Portable Sanitation Association? Yes, yes, that's right. Anyone who wants to sponsor it can enter. It's a membership, you know. Every month we we send a a report to the member saying what we have done and uh, where we are. Do you want to tell people how they can find out about the IPSO? Is there a website? Yes, it's a website (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's a private website. Only members have access. It's a website uh, about information management. It's not public. And only the members of IPSO have access to this information. Is it possible for people to join the association then? Yes, it's not an association. You know, it's just a, a, a company uh, that treats the management of information. For example, if so, we got in December a treat coming from Tourism, ISO 287 Technical Committee. They have done a standard 
but they wanted to close all the portable toilets on the beaches because the COVID. With my colleagues, if so, we enter on these committees, ISO committees, and we, we fight in order to change the wording. So at the end, we have been able to change the wording, and now the, these standards about the beaches say that we must have portable sanitation in all the beaches in enough quantities. And these portable toilets must, must be cleaned once a day. You see the big differences? They wanted to close the toilet, and now they must put in sufficient quantity, and they must clean once a day. Well, I'm a big fan of the industry taking the lead because I've said it many times, Sebastian, the people who know most about portable restrooms are the portable restroom operators. Yet quite often they find that they're not the people who make decisions about public policy like this, that the bureaucrats in council offices will make those decisions. And you're quite right that it's the people on the ground who provide and maintain those toilets who will know how to deal with those situations. Yes, that's right. I am in different committees now, and uh, as you know, ISO is international norm. This week we have uh, meetings with ISO, and it's a three-hour meeting. It starts at 6 o'clock in the morning and up to 9 o'clock in the morning. And each time it's different because uh, there is experts from Japan up to California, you know, trying to, to have not always the same people who have to work during the day or the night. On this ISO, and I can say it's the ISO about health and safety, each time that the ISO talk about toilet, they are talking about toilet inside of the building. They completely forgot the people, the million people who are working on the field, like the people in the agriculture, like the people in the construction, you know. I'm sorry, but it doesn't work like that. There is a bunch of people outside. For them, toilets are toilets. They don't understand the difference between toilets and portable toilets. It will take time also for them, but uh, I am there, I am in all the committees, and I am fighting in order that in all the standards, we can see the word portable sanitation. Sebastian, there's actually a, a third group that I would add to there, and it's the one I spoke to Jack Sim about for World Toilet Day last year, and that's the 4 billion people in the world who don't have any access to restrooms at all. Jack encouraged me to see portable restrooms as a stepping stone between a permanent fixed bathroom that you'd find in a building and then absolutely nothing at all in the field for lots of people in developing countries and in remote rural locations where there's just no sanitation infrastructure. I think you said last time we spoke you're planning something quite special for World Toilet Day this year, aren't you? Yes, each year I, I try to do something, you know, just to remember UN Water they always have some uh, information and some text that it's free. You can take it and yourself, you arrange and you do a newsletter and you send the message to your acquaintances, customer, contact. By doing that, and I always ask my contact to please resend them to their contact in order to see if we can go down with the number of uh, 3.6 billion people without toilets. It's really important because everybody in the world is affected by sanitation issues. And it's been a subject, really, that people don't willingly talk about. Some people just see it as not a pleasant subject. And I think it's really important that we encourage that conversation and we share it widely. Exactly. 
it's funny because with, with my colleague, when we meet and we are in a nice restaurant, the table are looking at us because we are talking about waste, we are talking about food, doing the lunch. But I'm sorry, that it's our, our business and we are obliged to talk about that. I identify with that completely. (laughs) (laughs) Yikes. I just received a bad review on Google. I can't believe it. I think I run a good business. I respond to reviews as fast as I can to see if I can fix the issue, but the reviews don't always come through until it's too late. I can't be with all of my customers 24-7. What can I do to prevent this issue from happening next time? Hey man, it's gonna be okay. Who are you? Who am I? I'm you from the future and I have to tell you about AirVote. What's AirVote? Just place these QR smileys anywhere throughout your business with questions to ask your customers. Your customers can then respond directly by leaving a comment that goes straight to your phone or computer. And then when they're satisfied with your service, they have the option to leave a positive review in Google. Airbo keeps you connected with your customers 24-7, the absolute best way to prevent negative reviews in Google. Here in Spain, when you talk about Fashion Mercedes uh, Week, okay, if you speak, uh, speak about the sport, it's football, uh, Real Madrid or Atletico Madrid. If you speak uh, uh, about food, all. Uh, we have so many chefs, and uh, when you speak about toilets, oh, that's taboo. Nobody wants to talk about. Jack does really well then because he makes it humorous, and he's very vigorous and active on social media, and he's incredibly well connected, isn't he? You know, he, when he reeled off his list of sponsors, patrons, and friends, he had some of the world's biggest names on there, and it's an incredible achievement for him. In twenty years, he's really changed the agenda. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Maybe the port of attention can be the first step before the complete sanitation. There is, I know, for example, in Africa, there is a, a lot of uh, little companies that uh, start candles, little business about portable sanitation in the very poor areas, you know, and the toilet, really, it's uh, takeaways all the, the, the sickness that we can get. And it protects us from deadly diseases such as cholera, you know. Sometimes when I do conferences about the risk uh, management of the risk when there is a disaster, for example, flood or uh, earthquake, I explain there that the help needs almost two, three days to arrive if the help arrives. Yeah, definitely. During these three days, the body, human body, continues to process. So we have to find an area where we already know that there is no water on, on the ground, you know. Because if you go, all the people of one village go to the same place to do their, their needs, and there is water, maybe 300, 400 meters under the ground, when it will raining, the raining will go on the pool, the pool will go enter on the, on the earth, maybe six kilometers down the mountain, people will drink the water, and you get the uh, crisis of cholera. That's it. So simple. We saw that here in New Zealand after the earthquakes back in 2010, 11 and 2016, that the underground sewerage network was fractured and ruptured and public health and public disease was a major concern. It really was. And, and the answer came in portable toilets. In my conferences, I always say to the portable sanitation operator, please get in contact with the civilian protection or whatever in your area and your community and 
try to prepare something with them. I made the point in the episodes I did about disaster response, really important for the operator to get in touch with the civil authorities before those episodes occur. Once the earthquake has happened, it's panic stations and it's too late to start producing plans. Restroom operators really, if they're able to help, they should do that and make those connections now. Exactly. And not wait, not wait for the event, but do them well in advance so that everybody knows they can help. Yeah, really important. We never know when when uh, disasters can arrive. Okay, of course, there, there is some areas in the earth that it will be more frequently uh, earthquakes, like, for example, in Italy than in Spain, for example. Yeah, some regions are just more vulnerable. New Zealand has rarely a day go past without some form of earthquake, but more often than not, they're very, very small. But when the big ones occurred, it was the demand for portable restrooms was absolutely insane because it was the only lifeline that people could get for their toilet needs. Yes, yes, definitely. I remember we have army regiment here. It's a UME. It's the emergency uh, regiment. So each time that there is some uh, floats or whatever, they, they call them. Though, and I remember one day one uh, commandant called me and said, "Mr. Ortiz, I know that you are." The guy of the toilets, please tell me in how many times you can put 4,000 toilets on, on one city. And, and uh, I just look, look at him and say, uh, in how many times can you give me 280 trucks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it seems that you have to prepare because it's, uh, it's not uh, easy. So, again, I recommend... Please get in contact with uh, your civilian protection uh, in the area and maybe talk with them to do some plans in case of wishing that never happens, never. That's good advice and uh, and I think restroom operators really should take the lead on that because one thing we learned in New Zealand is that central government doesn't always manage the local response. I think we've got something like 47 local councils who've got their own civil defence bureaus. And they're, they're all volunteers. They're council staff who move into the civil defence role when the incident occurs. There might be a regional manager, but usually all the staff are, are co-opted. And one of the things I'd like to see is for New Zealand to have a reserve of restrooms held as a float for national deployment. But it's unlikely to ever happen because central government won't take the lead and the chances of getting 47 local councils working together closely to collaborate on the provision of services is fairly remote, to be honest. That leaves you in the hands of the restroom providers and there are only a a small number in New Zealand who've got the potential to provide that number of units from stock. But as a collaborative effort, the entire industry could well provide the response. Yes, depending uh, on which area it's the disaster, you know. But, for example, Italy, as Italy knows themselves that they, they, they have so often earthquakes, the civilian protection, what they have done, they purchased, I think it was 3,000 toilets. Every five years or six years, they buy 3,000 toilets, and they, they do a stock in the north of the country, a stock of 1,000 units in the center, and a stock of 1,000 units in the south. Because they never know where will be the next disaster. Who manages and maintains and looks after those units when they're held in stock then, Sebastian? Civilian protection. The only thing they do is when something happens, they call the pumper association 
or the portable toilet associations to ask help them to pump the toilet. Can I ask a, a couple of questions about tactical detail in Europe? Is the most common plastic restroom an open tank, a drop tank, or as Europe moved towards flushing toilets? I think uh, in the wall, it's still the, the most common is the drop tank, what we say, it's the open tank, you know. But people, European people, mainly, uh, yeah, people from France, Italy, Spain, uh, people don't want to see what is inside, you know. <laughs> so they requested for uh, a product, and that's how we invented the recirculation toilet. We don't see what is inside, and when you press the pump, there is a clear blue water coming and giving you the feeling of uh, uh, hygiene. In Australia, I think there's all but one state of mandated flushing toilets, either freshwater or recirculating flushing, and the drop tanks have started to disappear from common use in Australia. I just wondered whether or not that was a movement that we might expect to see elsewhere in the world. I know in America that open tanks, drop tanks, are, are still by far the most common, but I'm a great advocate for flushing toilets, I really am. We have to be careful when we use the recirculation toilets because when the people press the pump, you are putting oxygen, you are putting hair into the, into the tank. So maybe the smelling can come up, you know. And there's always a potential for splashing as well. And we know that COVID is carried in waste matter because it's become common for the civil authorities to test at the wastewater treatment plant for COVID. There was initially this concern that if there was any splash in the toilets, then that might lead to a spread of disease. But to be honest, I don't know if that's actually become a thing or if there are any recorded cases of that happening anywhere in the world during the pandemic. No, you know, and that's why the tourism industry in Spain, they were talking about to close the toilets and the beaches. You, you can imagine if you close the toilet on the beaches or there is no toilet on the beaches during the summer, at least in Spain, it will be impossible, you know. <laughs> I can't recall seeing any reported occurrences where that's occurred, where COVID has been transmitted through restroom waste. I can't recall seeing it. No, I do not hear anything about that, you know. I know that you've been in contact with Angelique and Dimitri at Airvote. And um, am I correct in thinking that you're working with them quite closely now? Yes, that's right. I found it was a, a great product in order to know what, what's going on inside of the toilet. Mainly when you do these big festivals and certainly next year, 2022, will be a very big year for festival here in Europe. We never know, or at least the operators never know the feeling of the end user. The operators know the feeling of his customer. His customer maybe is the guy who is promoting the, the festival, but not the end user of the toilet. And for one operator to know that the end user is happy, that the toilet is clean, there is enough uh, toilet paper, and uh, it, it, it's part of the success of the event for the organizer. The operator has some... Good argument, not coming from him, but coming from the end users. When I first saw the setup and I, I took the time to understand what Airvote did, I absolutely loved it because it's very difficult to get direct feedback from the person, as you say, who's using the restroom. And Airvote does that. It's easy to use. Everybody's got a mobile phone these days. 
and it's easy to use. It's a very simple process. You literally hold your phone up with the camera turned on, and then it takes you to the screen to register your vote, whether it's a you, know, you can add comments or not. And that's the first time I can remember that we've been able to get that direct feedback in real time. It's an absolutely marvelous system. You know, it's really fantastic. We 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 meet virtually with Dimitri and Janet in in August, and uh, well, we we agreed to to work together, and immediately uh, uh, we started to work on the translations of the web page because, as you know, it's a self service web page, and immediately uh, in now we are in, in October, end of October. We, we got the three web pages in Spanish, in French, and in Italian done and working. And now, little by little, of course, I started with the portable sanitation customers. Uh, we already have uh, two, three customers in Spain, and uh, we are working with three other in Italy. And I think certainly the, the, the big success will next year at the Eurotoy that we will present the product to the European show for the portable sanitation, Eurotoys. That's the show in Germany in February, is it? That's it, yes. From the 10 and 11 February. I'm really pleased to see that restroom operators are embracing AirVote because it, it's that, for me, was the missing link, that it's OK to send a technician out to clean the toilet. Very few operators actually go and do any inspection on site to measure the hygiene and the cleanliness that the technician has achieved in the service. But the AirVote system just gives you that real feedback from the people who really matter, the ones who are sitting on the toilet seat. Definitely. And even before hair votes in some festival, not in everyone, because, uh, of course, the promoter didn't want it to pay. But I always recommended my customer to have some people, some staff of the company going around. And every, I don't know, every half an hour of uh, one hour, just go inside of the toilet and refresh a little the toilet with uh, disinfectant, some wipe, uh, good smelling, you know. And just by doing that, that's also what's helping. We will still continue to do that, but with the help of AirVote, we will know which toilet have a really problem. And if something is broken in the toilet, we can immediately close the toilet and the people don't go inside, so they cannot say that it's not working, you know? It's correct that the toilet as product, I don't think it will be a big evolution. For example, uh, there is already the vacuum toilet. There is some dry toilet. There is different type of toilet that the people are using around the world. And uh, we will see. But at this moment, the portable toilet with sanitary product and a little piece of water is the most common worldwide. I think the biggest innovations that we're starting to see are actually the stage beyond the restroom. It's the treatment of the wastewater, of the solids that come from the from the restroom user. And I think that's where we'll see some developments. We're already seeing the composting toilets and people producing methane gas that you can cook with from the restroom. We're seeing the waste matter being dried and used in earth remediation after perhaps there's been a quarry or a landfill site. And I think that's definitely where the innovation will lie next because it's a a really unexploited part of the cycle, isn't it? That It's full of nutrients. It's full of goodness that if you can extract that and use it 
and feed it back into maybe not the food chain but back into the environmental cycle and Chelsea Wald made the point for me when I interviewed her Sebastian that the wet sewer and the wastewater treatment plants that are so common in Europe and in parts of America is actually really resource intensive it's a really expensive way of managing it and it's a really environmentally challenging way of managing waste products. There is a French company that uh, take back the, the urine and they transform the urine for the agriculture, you know. Certainly the new toilet or the future toilet that will come will separate liquid and solids. I don't know how, but they, <laughs> they will be obliged to do it because, uh, yeah, you know that the, the, the solid must be dried before we use it, and uh, the liquid uh, has to go to other parts. But the, the, it's, the human urine, it's good. I spoke to Dylan Timney from Bambooloo a few episodes ago, and he said to me that urine diversion was really fashionable at the moment, but it was actually quite challenging because urine will start to ferment, so you can't afford to have it standing in containers for an indefinite period of time. And as soon as it's mixed with water, that fermentation process starts. So it needs to be taken away from site really quickly but it's becoming really popular so, someone will will have already cracked that conundrum somebody will have already found a workable solution that prevents that certainly uh, for the moment we have to try to improve what we have and uh, one of the way to improve what we have is just by putting more toilets on the on the sites in order that to diminish the quantity of people to use them by doing that people will love to go to the toilet, you know. <laughs> even if they are the number 120, you know, because even if there is 120 people before you, the toilet still look fresh. And I think that's been one of the hidden blessings of COVID, that everybody now is aware of hygiene and sanitation and cleanliness has become really, really important. And perhaps before the pandemic, it wasn't the top priority for lots of, certainly businesses that bring in portable restrooms. It wasn't the number one priority. In 2008, we had a big crisis of the construction. So all the, it was the construction crash, you know. Uh, now <laughs> we've got this uh, pandemic COVID-19. Uh, personally, with my colleagues from, from ISO, we are working on, the, on a standard for a future pandemic. We don't know which Legionella, cholera, whatever, but something will come. We have to be prepared to receive it. Well, and it's good that people are having these conversations. I remember Carlin Koss mentioned that they'd done a future-looking exercise at the Portable Sanitation Association, and they perhaps didn't predict COVID, but they predicted some form of global event that would need a restroom response. So really important that the industry takes that lead. And I'm, I'm sure that people will get behind you, Sebastian. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced they will. Thank you very much, Pete. Yes, uh, every manufacturer, the, the, the market is, is the more important. I, I must take care of my market because if I don't take care of my market, suddenly uh, some lows, some uh, whatever can arrive and I cannot sell anymore on this market. That's not good for me. Well, that almost happened here in New Zealand a few years ago. WorkSafe, which is the National Health and Safety Agency, published some draft guidelines and they included the word that every restroom on every site must have freshwater hand wash. Logistically, that's just incredibly, well, it's impossible at the moment. A, the fleet of toilets in New Zealand 
very few of the cabins would have been equipped with freshwater hand wash stations. There weren't terribly many hand wash basins in, in New Zealand before the pandemic. Very few, in fact, as a percentage of the overall fleet. And the industry was able to respond and say, well, actually, sanitizer is a, a, an acceptable replacement where freshwater basins are not available. And they managed to change the wording, but it, it almost came into legislation and that would have caused a huge ripple through the industry. Believe me, when I started uh, IDSO, I entered here in Spain uh, in the five committees. It, it's almost a five segment of the bottom sanitation. Construction, beaches, agriculture, events, and uh, emergencies. So I receive every day, being in these committees, I receive almost 45 emails about new standards or processes of new standards or improvement of new standards. And as if so, it's the watchman of the industries right now, I'm checking all these 45, 50 emails in order to see or to, to trace if there is a treat or maybe an opportunity. And the one thing you can guarantee is that this change will keep happening, that the restroom industry, the providers can't work in a vacuum, they don't work in a vacuum, that other people have got an interest in hygiene and sanitation and the legislators will keep working away. So change is inevitable. But what you're doing is trying to influence and direct that change so that it happens with the industry rather than to the industry. That has to be applauded. Exactly, because uh, we are the professional. We are all the days on the field. We know what's going on. The politicians are, are not on the field. You know, They are doing the, the laws, but before I do a law, I, I need to receive the information from the expert. That's why on the different committees, uh, people say that we are the expert. That's why we go there. You know, we don't go there to, to just to, to enjoy, uh, to have a virtual meeting of two hours, uh, to talk about uh, uh, wastewater plant, stuff like that. You know, it's, uh, we, we, we learn every day something and uh, we try to give back to the industries what we learn in order to protect the industries because it's where we live and uh, that's what, uh, it's our jobs, you know. <laughs> Um, is there somewhere that people can go to find out more about Sebastian and Ipso? Is there a, a website or a link that people can look at? Well, it, it's uh, it's the, there is the, the website uh, Imexos is the uh, international consulting company about portable communication, and from there uh, I started Ipso, and uh, Ipso, as I told you, it's a private information. But uh, in uh, in Exos, they, they, they will have more information about Sebastian Ortiz. Yeah, I'll put the link in the notes for the episode and um, I'll make sure that people can know where to go to find out more. That's really important. Thank you very much, Pete. We, we are still pushing in order to, to develop uh, Latin America and Africa in, in portable sanitation because these countries have to come, even if... Uh, the first world, like for example, Spain, are still to grow because we we don't have enough toilet in Spain. But uh, this process takes time, and uh, the the market is still young. And, and when I say market is young, it's a market of 22 years, you know, 25 years. But the market is young. <laughs>
I've got listeners in those continents and it's it's been really fascinating watching the show develop over the last 18 months. I'm starting to see listeners pop up now in some really remote countries. If those people are listening in, welcome to the podcast and welcome to the global portable sanitation community. It's a very well-connected community. And as we've heard from you, Sebastian, there are lots of people who are willing to be champions and share their expertise and ideas. There is no problem. I can attend the people in, in Spanish, in French, Italian, English. <laughs> That's brilliant. It really is, truly. Thank you for your time, Sebastian. I always enjoy talking with you. And uh, fingers crossed, 2022, the travel restrictions will come down and I'll be able to get across to meet up with you and enjoy a beer or two. No problem, Pete. Thank you very much for your time, too. And feel free to call me at any time. You take care. Okay, take care, too. Bye-bye. I'd like to thank Sebastian, who's been generous with me both in terms of his expertise and his time. Please visit his website, Imexos, or click on the link in the notes for today's show. There's no doubt that he's got a tremendous amount of knowledge and expertise, as well as the passion to lead on the industry's behalf. As I say, I put a link to his website in the notes if you'd like to contact him or learn more about the IPSO. Now, there are five more episodes of Get Flushed left before the end of the season. You've still got time to leave an audio message if you'd like to give a workplace shout-out to your team or ask me any questions. And please remember to let me know which of the episodes is your favourite and why if you'd like to be in with a chance to win the celebratory Get Flushed Embroidered Cap. Just follow the link in the notes or visit podinbox.com slash getflushed. Click leave a message and start talking. Press save to save and don't worry about making any mistakes. I promise I can tidy up the audio to make you sound great. Once again, thank you for your time. I've been Pete and you've been listening to the award-winning sanitary goodness of Get Flushed, the world's favourite sanitation podcast. <laughs>